This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 10.30. Thank you for tuning in. Morning, Canoe Creek. We're filming this, as we said earlier, Saturday morning, but it's Sunday morning for you. And, you know, I would invite you and encourage you, while you may watch this content during your normal course of activities, perhaps uh, whether it's today, starting this Sunday, or it's next Sunday if we have to do this again, just just maybe try to gather your family together. Uh, we're going to have it on YouTube as well, so maybe you can just pull it up on your smart TV, really large on the TV, and just try to try to worship together like a family um, and, and try to just enjoy this time together. Obviously, we're shifting gears on what we've been teaching on. We were doing the Red Sermon Series, which I love doing it. We we're going to go up to Easter, but I'm in a room right now with just five people, and, and it's empty. So things have changed dramatically. So therefore, I think it's wise for us to change what we're talking about, and that's what we're going to do. I, I decided for this Sunday, let's talk about a few of these really interesting stories from the life of Elisha. They're these really quick stories that are, that are short, and they have limited detail. So my opinion on it is, the, it mostly is about the faith and demonstration of Elisha's dependence on God. And I think that's a really important topic for where we find ourselves right now. And so why don't we just jump in there and look at one of these stories, for example, that show his, his, his dependence on God and his desire to trust him and to follow him. This is in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. We read this. When the servant of the Lord, um, ultimately a uh, servant of the man of God, got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Look at what Elijah responds by saying, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Uh, Let me just try and tell you really quick, the, the context here is that there is an enemy army, they have a small party of that army, and they're out looking for Elisha. They find him, they wake up first thing in the morning, the servant sees this army, he's scared to death, and Elisha says, don't be afraid. This is a powerful moment, it's a defining moment for Elisha, it demonstrates his dependence on God, but look at what he goes on to say here. It says, and Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I'm not going to pretend to understand exactly how this works, um, but all I know is this, is that for whatever reason, the power of God demonstrated for this servant the opportunity to see into a spiritual realm to where he saw the power of God protecting Elisha. But more importantly, it's because we see uh, that Elisha didn't freak out in this moment. Elisha depended on God's power to protect him. Full dependence completely, heart, mind, soul, all of it. He knew that God would be there. He knew that God would take care of him through this situation. So here's how the story ends really quickly for you so you know. Uh, Elijah prays again. 
And then the Lord blinds the small army, and Elisha leads them into the city of Samaria. And, and in this city, they, their eyes are open, and they're surrounded by their enemy, uh, the army of Israel. And the king wants to do harm to them, but Elisha says, no, feed them, send them on their way, and that's exactly what he does. And the result of it is these small war parties stop coming into their territory and causing problems. But here's what we go on to read next. There's another story that starts right after that, and it says some time has passed. We don't know how much time has passed, but, but look at this next story that follows. It's in 2 Kings 6, beginning in verse 24. It says, sometime later... Ben-Hadid, king of Aram, the same army, mobilized his entire army. It's not just a small war party now. It's all of them. And it's more powerful than Israel. It's more powerful than Israel's army. And they can easily defeat the city that they're marching to. And they marched up and they laid siege to Samaria. And then it goes on to say, as a result of this, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. That's two pounds of silver for the most detestable thing you could get. And a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. This is just such a powerful illustration of how just one simple reality is relevant. Price gouging is not new. In the midst of desperation, people will do desperate things, especially when They don't depend on God like we saw Elijah depending on God in this story just before. Now, I'm not going to read the verses that come after that. Uh, Verse 26 through 31 follow, and they demonstrate just how desperate they were. And I would advise you at home, if you're watching with your children, uh, as parents, you want to read those verses first. You want to decide if you're going to read it to them exactly like it's written or if you're going to filter it some. Let me tell you the reason why I'm not going to read it and why I would ask you to filter it with your kids. It is so sad. It is so desperate. It it just will turn your heart. It will turn your stomach. And it will definitely demonstrate the kind of pain that they were in, the kind of struggle that they were in, and ultimately the kind of desperate uh, desperation that they had as well. And it really brings us to a simple reality that we're we're talking about and we see in the life of Elisha and the life of these people, and that is when we stop depending on God, we get desperate and our actions reflect it. And we want to be careful about that. We we want to act in such a way that we're showing we're dependent upon God. Or maybe we're trying to take some steps right now to be more dependent upon God as well. Here's the reality. Some of us are upset over toilet paper. I mean, if I were just to read Facebook, I'd be so confused right now, right? And maybe we just need to take a pause from that stuff. Uh, maybe we need to be uh, focused on what we do have, not what we don't have. Some of us are upset over the cancellation of our events. Uh, some of us are just simply upset over the fact that the, our lives have been disrupted. Um, but what these people faced, when you read those verses, you'll see it's on a whole different level. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. I don't want you to misunderstand. I realize that what we're in is serious. What we're going through is very significant. Um, There are people who are out of work. They're not sure what they're doing a week from now, a month from now, and and it's serious. Uh, There are people who are either in retirement or just on 
the, the, the moment of retirement, maybe years away, and the retirement's just been absolutely cut in half. I know that there are families scrambling, thinking, I've got to go to work on Monday. I have nobody to watch my children because I've got to go to work. And, and there's a long list, right? Your, your issue may be different. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's not serious or significant. I'm just simply saying that sometimes we need perspective. Let me say it this way. Sometimes we need some of our comforts and some of our certainties to be removed in order for our vision of God to be enlarged. It's a time like this that reminds us I can't control everything around me. I've put too much faith in myself and my ability to do this or that, and I've diminished my trust and my dependency on God and the importance of His sovereign hands over this world and over my life as well. Now, as you read verses 26 through 31, I guarantee you your heart will break, your stomach will turn, and you will begin to reassess uh, the level of your current struggle as well. Uh, so, so after this, this terrible desperation comes on their city, I want you to see that what we saw in Elijah earlier, Elisha earlier, where he was confident and, and, and in control and dependent on God, he becomes scared at a moment here. Let, let's take a look at that moment. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 32. It says, Now Elisha was sitting in his house. And the elders were sitting with him. The point of that is he wanted them there to protect him. They have authority and control. The king sent a messenger ahead, but before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him. The point in this is Elisha's cowering in his home. He's got the elders to protect him, and he's begging one of them to go and shut the door so that he could be safe. The king is angry. The situation in the city is bad. People are desperate. He wants to go take it out on Elisha. And where we saw Elisha earlier saying, look, I've got chariots of fire surrounding me to protect me, we now see him hiding in his home radically different situation. I don't know how, when, what went on for Elisha's fate to diminish in this moment or for him to show that he is not as dependent on God. I don't know what happened, but I tell you what, it's a defining moment, especially when we see faith return in him. And, and we may find in our own defining moments and situations that our faith is drained, that we are struggling. And I pray that this story in this moment where we see this is encouraging to see faith return to Elijah, his confidence in the Lord to, to return in him as well. That what was drained and his dependence on God was failing, it shows in his actions by cowering in his home But Elisha returns to God in this very important defining moment. Look at what happens in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 33. While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him. And the king said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Look at the, the lack of faith of the king. He's completely drained of any trust in God, any dependency in God, and, and, and it doesn't go well for him. As you'll read the story later, you'll see it turns out poorly for him. But it goes on to say, Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a seah of the finest flour, that's a measurement of flour, will sell for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What does that mean simply? It means that this is about to end. God is about to show up. He's about to do something amazing. Now the officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? Once again, not only the king, but we see the people. No dependence on God, no trust. They're just simply trying to do what they can do. Now, I think that we see the defining moment for Elisha, his faith return, his dependence on God return in this last statement. He says, you will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha. In the middle of desperation, in the middle of the most difficult situation, Elisha knew that God was with him. Elisha knew that God was with his people. Elisha knew that uh, God would faithfully show up and care for them in a way uh, that only God could. Now, we're going to actually pick that up next week and talk about that more as well, and we'll explain it. But right now, we just want to look at this fact of Elisha, a man of amazing faith, amazing dependency on God, for whatever moment, for whatever reason, he has this moment to where he is without uh, this, this faith, this defining moment, and but then it comes back. He continues to depend be dependent upon God and trust in Him. I, I don't know about you guys, but I think everybody has a defining moment. It was where faith built up in your life. I know that I have one of those moments where it's vivid, right? You can remember the place. You can remember the time. You can remember sights, smells, sounds. Uh, my family and I, without great detail, we were going through something. It was just my two oldest children at the time. My third child hadn't even been born. Um, and uh, my wife and I received a letter in the mail. We were already in a difficult situation, and this letter basically threatened that what we had could be taken. And I'll never forget this little tiny kitchen. It literally was about you know ten by ten or something like that. Standing there, my wife and I embracing each other, and I said, "What can they take? What can they have? They can take the house. Uh, they could take the car. They can take everything we've got." but they can't take what's most important to us. And for me, it wasn't just a platitude. It really was not just a, it was not just a, a moment to comfort my wife. I, I, it was a moment in which it was a defining moment for my faith in which I knew everything that I have, everything that I am, if it's not dependent on the Lord, I will find myself in a moment of desperation making foolish and, and, and difficult decisions. And let me just say it this way. If we allow difficult circumstances like we have right now to drain us of our faith, it will lead us to desperation. It will lead us to foolish decisions. It will lead us to a place where we're not waiting on the Lord. We're not trusting in the Lord. We're trying to do things on our own. If our greatest priority right now is toilet paper, which I know it's not, and you know there's more things going on out there and there's things that we're concerned about, but I'm telling you, we can survive. And our God is watching over us and our God is caring for us. And this is a moment in time where our God is inviting us back uh, to submit ourselves to him, to trust in him more than we've ever done before. Uh, let, me, let me just end with this last verse. Proverbs 3, 5 really spells this out. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. I know that I find myself trying to do things the way that I want to do them, how I want to do them. 
I have maybe my own certainties. I have my own comforts. I rush into things, and, and I forget sometimes, and I need to be reminded, am I submitting all of my heart to God, or am I just giving him the leftovers? I'm asking myself sometimes, you know, am I submitting all of my ways to God? And a lot of times I find that I'm just trying to make my own path. But you know what? I am confident that if I trust in God, if I can have vision for what God has vision for, I would see uh, chariots of fire surrounding me and our town and our community and your family and situations to say, hey, God's going to come through. We've got to be dependent upon him, trust in him. His way that he will make is going to be far greater if we have that kind of faith and that kind of dependency. If we don't, he's calling us back into it and asking us to take some steps here to trust him. He's going to come through for us. He's going to come through for you and for your family. Let's just take a minute and let's pray at this time. Father, we are tremendously grateful for you, the opportunity to praise you even when we can't be together. Uh, you've given us this, this mode, this medium, this opportunity to, to send messages to people's homes through phones, iPads, TVs, computers. Lord, as we struggle... Help us to lay down our certainties that we've built on our own. Help us to realize that there's certain comforts we come to love that we just need to give up. Because put all that aside, Lord, having you, a relationship with you, a connection with you is far greater than anything else. We want your ways to be made, even though we know that that may require us to make some big decisions in our life. Uh, we want to have a greater dependence on you. At the end, we want to know you, Lord. We want to know you better. Uh, we wanted to uh, be transformed and to be changing, to trust you and to follow you. What we're going through is difficult, I have no doubt. I also have no doubt that we need to have some perspective to on what we're going through. While we pray for our brothers here close at home, our sisters here close at home, we pray for our entire nation, we pray for countries and our brothers and sisters in other countries that are going to be hit by this tremendously harder than we are because their resources are less their ability to deal with it or less. Uh, Father, we pray for our world as a whole. Uh, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Myanmar and Haiti, Costa Rica, Honduras, all over. Italy, who is really struggling right now. Uh, we pray for everybody from, from sea to sea and just ask, Lord, that you would help us to, to turn to you, to trust you, uh, to be dependent upon you. And, and ultimately follow what you would have us follow so that you can make a path for us that's far greater than the one we're trying to make for ourselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.